Before we get started, we want to thank our sponsor of today's episode, Biberk Small Business Insurance. Biberk is who we use for our business insurance for the Already Friends podcast. They make it quick and easy for small businesses to get insured. You can do it online, on the phone. There's no middleman fees or hassle. You can get a quote in minutes and be covered the next day. Policies start as low as $35 a month. To get a quote online, go to biberk.com or call 1-866-757-4487 to talk to an insurance expert. As always, we'll have the link in our show notes as well as on our website. And thank you again to Biberk business insurance for being a sponsor of the show. I'm so excited to talk to you guys about today's sponsor, Pros. Pros is the custom beauty brand that is all over your feed. I had been wanting to try them for so long. And when I tell you guys that I put on my Instagram story that they were going to be sponsoring the podcast, I got so many genuine organic responses from my following of people being like, oh my God, I love Pros. I've been using it for years. So don't even just take it from me, but take it from the genuine people that reached out agreeing with me about how much they love Pros. And when Pros says custom, they actually mean it. Each and every bottle of Pros custom hair and skincare is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. One of the coolest parts of the questionnaire that I thought was they literally asked me about my location and my zip code so that they could understand how hard the water is here, what the UV index is like, if it's cold, if it's dry, and all of that goes into these truly personalized products. Pros even did a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, and Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. So try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering the Artie Friends listeners an exclusive trial offer so that you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros, P-R-O-S-E dot com slash Artie Friends. That's pros.com slash Artie Friends for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash Artie Friends. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. the Artie Friends podcast. This is Allison. And this is Kara. Today we're going to be talking about money, guys, a subject that everyone either loves or hates or maybe both, but we brought on a cool young gal. So it's a relatable money conversation. Her name is Erin Confortini. We go into a lot, no matter where, if you're a beginner in your money journey or you're pretty established, there's definitely some takeaways for everyone. But before we dive into all of that, we're going to catch up, share our peaks of the week, and then we'll bring Erin on. Yeah. And I really quickly want to shout if money talks and 
podcast about money really turns you off or gives you a little bit of anxiety about the fact that maybe you're not as well-versed in your money journey, I highly recommend you stick around. Like Allison said, we promise this is a very casual conversation. It's not going to stress you out. And something that we talked about in this episode is that just taking a first step toward learning will make you feel so much better. And I know in my past, I just completely turned a blind eye to financial literacy and learning about finances because it just kind of stressed me out because I knew that I didn't know much about it. So now that I have kind of ripped the bandaid off, I just feel like learning is so much more fun and it is exciting. So we encourage you to stick around if it's really not up your alley because you might be surprised what you learn. Absolutely. Well, in the spirit of that, talking about trying new things or peeling back the veil of something you're intimidated by. So on Friday, my sister moved into this new place with some roommates and she has this amazing electric bike, but it's like brand new. She's only rode it a couple of times because she got it right before winter and she needed it to go from the old place to her new house, but she couldn't fit it in her SUV. And basically we needed to ride it to her new house. And so I was like, okay, I want to do it. Let me ride this electric bike. But I was kind of scared because I was like, dude, this thing is like a $1,400 bike. I've never ridden like a fancy electric bike. I don't want to crash it. And I don't know why, dude, I thought a bike would go on, an electric bike would go on the sidewalk. So I'm like, it's fine. I'll take neighborhoods. And my sister Ashley was like, no, dude, you have to like go on the street. You have to like keep up with traffic. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) So we did a little practice like out in the, in the street, like in a neighborhood. And cause like the throttle with it, like those things can get really fast. Like the factory setting, Mm -hmm. I think for legally on electric bikes is like 22 miles per hour. Otherwise, they're considered like more of a moped, but you can like change the factory settings, I guess, so that it like goes way faster. Anyway, I figured it out. I was like driving down like these two really busy streets in Omaha and I probably looked like such a loser because I had these like, I wasn't planning on riding a bike that day. So I had like really flared pants on and I had to like tuck them into my socks and like Mm -hmm. tuck my shirt into my pants because like I was out in the elements. And so, but it was fun. It was a great time. (laughs) (laughs) And afterwards I was like, wait, that was not scary. Like, what was I so afraid of? So yeah, if you guys, if there's anything in your week coming up that you're like, that's really scary. I don't want to try that. Here's a little nudge that the way we make it out to be in our head is always way worse than Mm -hmm. what it actually is. Yay. That's so fun with your little bike journey and love that little (laughs) tie-in. But I, I think it is crazy. Biking is so fun and it is such a great way of getting around. But the U.S. is just not built for bikes. And we're so behind on having bike lanes and stuff. Like New York is really nice how they have. Because I I think personally, what would scare me about doing an e-bike is just the thought of getting hit by a car. Oh, 100%. Yeah. In New York, they have these bike lanes that are literally protected. Not all the streets, of course, but some of the streets. It's protected by cement. So the cars like can't hit you. And it's its own little area. I just just wish that was everywhere. Oh, yeah. My fear was definitely not around like me crashing. It was like, yeah. is this semi going to see me when he like turns into another lane and I just like die? Yeah, <laughs> literally. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did that though, but definitely yeah. wore a helmet. I was like, yeah. normally I would want be like, oh, I don't want to wear a helmet. I was like, no, I am wearing a helmet because I'm like in traffic. I had, it's so funny. You have to like pull up to a light, like a blinker. And I was, so I was like, yeah. I have to like signal. No, I'm team helmets yeah. for sure. <laughs> We're naturally a brain damage. Um, but yeah, do I have any further questions on this journey? Do I have any How long questions? was your bike ride? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
like five miles maybe. Um, but it did because I guess I haven't like really updated you guys. I did. I sold my car. That was like probably November, October, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I made it the whole winter without having to get another car or get a moped or anything like that. But it's given me the time to look up some other alternatives. Like mm-hmm. in the evening, I'll just borrow Clay's car if I need to, or I've Ubered a little, little bit. But the cost of a moped and electric bikes, like they have come down a lot. So okay. in the spirit of talking about finance like if having a car is like destroying your budget honestly public transportation and that stuff now is actually so feasible like before I sold my car I was like how am I going to live without a car like how is that possible I have to Mm -hmm. thrift every week I've got meetings all over town like there's no way I could not have a car and then it's literally been so fine it takes like a little bit of coordinating here and there but the savings factor and not feeling like the liability of having a car that you have to maintain and pay insurance on it's a win yeah especially for someone like you who lives in a downtown setting, even getting your car broken into or just those factors, someone sideswiping it when you parked on the street. Like you have those too to figure out, which is probably really frustrating. And like if I'm traveling, it's like sketch to leave a nice car like outside downtown with like no cameras around for like a week or two and be like, okay, I just hope it's fine. Because one, when we went to Columbia, do you remember I had my car, we went in the wintertime and apparently a snowstorm happened. So even though I was parked like in a place where you're supposed to park, they had to snow plow. So they had apparently put up signs telling everyone that they had, you know, probably 24 or 48 hours to move their car. Well, I didn't see it because I wasn't anticipating that. So my car gets towed. The tow truck sideswiped my bumper, like had this whole damage to it. And since I was gone, no one contacted me and it was like compounding on like an extra $50 fee per day. So to get my car out of impound from that trip ended up being like a five, $600 thing. And they fucked up my bumper. Like literally insane. So stupid. But there was nothing I like, I didn't think that was happening as far as I was concerned when I left. Like everything was fine. Yeah. I was parked it. So just another reason why it's always good to reconsider things and there's <laughs> options. There are options. Yes. Okay, updates here. I mean, I only have a couple, but one exciting one is that I have finally figured out my wedding details, which is very exciting. Yeah, so I think two weeks ago or three weeks ago in one of our episodes, I said that I went to Charleston and we were trying to said something like things might be happening. TBD. Things were happening. We're looking at wedding venues. We as me, my mom, my sister, Connor didn't come because sad. He works in sales, doesn't really get PTO. But we saw a couple venues and I found one that I really loved and they had availability for 2024. So I'm getting married in Charleston on Memorial Day weekend, 2024. Oh my God. Congratulations. Thank you. How how good does it feel to just know now? Oh my God. It feels so relieving. I can't even explain. It's just the best feeling. Because I, like I have mentioned before, my sister's getting married this year. So I wasn't really trying to do two weddings for my family in the same year, especially when there's four siblings. There's only two daughters. So like my parents, you know, typically the parents of the bride pay for majority of the weddings. I'm like, there's no need for my parents to be paying for two weddings in the same year. Also, we're the only ones that are really getting married right now. Uh, My other two brothers, they're not anywhere close really to being married. One of them's literally single. (laughs) So I'm like, there's no rush. Like put all this excitement in the same year for the Kirkpatrick family. So that's why I wasn't really in a rush to get anything planned. But now that people are getting married this year and like things are starting to get booked for next year, I'm like, oh wait, I need to figure this out right now. And when I went to this venue, actually, it's so funny because the whole reason that I found the venue that I'm booking at and that I'm booked at is because we were out to dinner. We looked at one venue on Saturday morning when I was in Charleston. We went out to dinner that night and the waitress was like, oh, what are you guys in town for? And my mom is just such an overshare 
share. She's like, oh, my daughters are engaged and we're celebrating them being engaged. And I'm like, mom, we've been engaged. Like McKenna's been engaged for over <laughs> a year now and I've been engaged for like eight months. Like, he's like, oh, when did it happen? Yesterday? <laughs> yeah, like July and it's March whatever, but <laughs> so funny. But the waitress was like, oh my gosh, I just got married here in Charleston last month and it was the best wedding ever. And I wish everyone could have the same exact day I have because it was like so amazing. And just the venue was so good. They were just great at coordinating everything. It's, it was beautiful. And so we're like, wait, where'd you get married? And then literally on Sunday, we just casually went and looked at it and I loved it. I was like, this is so pretty. And then yeah, I ended up booking it a month later. So all because my mom wow. was just being oversharing. So don't be afraid to overshare is like the moral of the story because if that waitress wouldn't have told us that about that venue I don't I was not going to book the other one so we'd only gone and looked at one venue and I think I would have come back because we didn't go on that trip to look at wedding venues we went because my sister was trying on a wedding dress in Charleston the one that she has is from a bridal designer in Charleston Um, so she was like getting alterations and stuff so yeah we just decided to look at venues kind of last minute and I'm so glad that that my mom said that and that that lady told us all this so shout out to our waitress. Wow. That is a trust the process type of event there. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I, I think now that I have it set, the date set and everything, I'm like, oh my gosh, why was I not like more thinking about that then? But you know, it all worked out. Everything happens for a reason. So it all worked out perfectly. And I got the date that I wanted. And I feel like it'll be so fun just because it's a Sunday wedding, actually. It's a Sunday of Memorial Day weekend. And it'll be fun because then everyone can kind of fly in either Thursday or Friday. And then maybe Friday, everyone goes to the beach or does a boat day or something. And then Saturday, we can do rehearsal dinner and then Sunday get married. I love that. It's like it really all came together because we were talking on here about how cool a sun- how Sunday weddings are like becoming more popular. And you were literally, I don't know, we were like, having this exact conversation and then yeah. it came to fruition. And my parents got married on a Sunday, Labor Day weekend. So I love that. Like tying it back to my parents, doing a little holiday weekend thing. But yeah, I think it's going to be super fun. Cute. And everyone is so far that we've told is very excited to go to Charleston because we both have a lot of out-of-town friends. And would you rather go to a wedding in St. Louis and spend $400 on airfare to St. Louis or to Charleston? And I think a lot of people are very happy <laughs> that it's in Charleston. Yeah, and being Memorial weekend like that's a travel weekend too so then people mm-hmm. can kind of like do something personal for themselves while also going to the wedding like yeah sometimes when people have weddings in very specific destinations you're like I'm literally only going here for this wedding and shelling out all of this money for this and it's like mm-hmm. it's fine I'll do it I love you guys but by you're also thinking of your guests by doing it over Memorial Weekend and giving them a destination that they can explore on their own time. Yes, literally. So it's going to be like a vacation for everyone and you can do whatever you want. Like there's the beach and there's downtown Charleston, which is its own thriving place with restaurants and things to do. So yeah, very excited. So fun. I love that for you. So happy. I'm glad that you can now start planning more of like the fun details that can come next. Yeah. So I'm going to try and do like a weekly update on my TikTok and kind of post there all that. So stay tuned there if you want to see me go through the planning process. Amazing. Anything else? No. What's your peak of the week? Peak of the week. Um, maybe you guys remember Amber back from episode three. Yeah. And she came in town to Omaha this weekend. So we hung out on Saturday and it was just so fun to catch up because she doesn't live in Omaha anymore. And 
So we only see each other maybe like a couple, maybe like once a year or twice a year. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of cool because we can look back on both ourselves and each other and see how much growth has happened since the last time we saw each other. And we were just talking about like when we had her on the podcast, she's like me. She was like, I've never gone back and listened. I don't know what I said. I don't want to know. Which, okay, if you guys don't know, I listen to the like the weekly episodes. I send in my edits and like, I'm good. I have never gone back and listened to an episode. I'm just like, I don't know. I hope that whatever I said that day was fine <laughs> on to the next. Cause like the, we got episodes all the time. The yeah. only one I've gone back and re-listened to is the 75 hard one with Clay. Mm-hmm. Cause I like wanted him to listen. He never did like way back, but like you'll go back and listen to some occasionally, right? Not too often. I think if we have a topic that's somewhat similar, I'll go back and listen and make sure I don't say the same thing. <laughs> Cause I even mm-hmm. this, maybe I've said some of the same things from our last finance topic, but no, I, I have listened back to the first episode because I, I did want to hear like how did our audio sound was it good was it bad <laughs> yeah. and I think it's good I I honestly think we did a good job well I guess this is something that I'm afraid of because I'm like I probably sound like such an idiot the audio is probably so bad I was probably just like young and dumb as if it wasn't like not that long ago but I'm probably literally making it way worse than it actually is. No, you definitely so are. I just need to rip the Band-Aid and listen to one. It's not going to be that But bad. you're right. No, it's like, when when do we have time? Like, if we are listening to an episode, it's like this week's episode and making cuts and Yeah, planning changing for the next. Things. And the yeah. Patreon. Or so. recording. Or, yeah. Or I want to listen to other podcast episodes to, like, mm-hmm. get inspiration for this one and, like, grab little tidbits. Anyway, it was just funny because we were like, <laughs> okay, um, that was so long ago. Like, who knows what we even said in that episode. But it right. was great to see her. And this was the cutest thing. We, we were like thinking about going to brunch somewhere, but I was like, honestly, you should just come to New Wave. Like I'll make us some coffee and then we can like decide if we want to go somewhere or something. And we had just got settled, like hanging out on a little floor picnic and Clay comes in and he had went and bought Kodiak cake pancake mix, which is like mine and Clay's favorite pancake mix. And he was like, can I make you guys pancakes? Like <laughs> so freaking cute. He like went to the store because none of the like really fast grocery stores around here. I say fast as in they're more like basically convenience stores stores, not like yeah. natural grocers. So to like go really far to get the Kodiak cakes, comes back, makes us pancakes, cuts little bananas on them, sprinkles <laughs> co- coconut flakes, like serves it to us. Like what a gem. Just love that. Literally dine in service. Dine your own little waiter. Yeah. Oh my so gosh. That was a peak. Love that. Seeing her and Clay just being a gem of a a boyfriend. I'm very into hanging out with friends lately, just at my house and not spending money or not making the trek. It's just so convenient and just chill. Yeah, it feels like more intimate too. Like sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like when you like are going to a coffee, it almost feels like a meeting. Yeah, and you can't just say whatever you want to say. Like me and my friends yeah. will just get so loud and just talk about literally everything in my at my bachelor nights and we just go crazy. But in a, I don't know, if you're at a wine bar or a coffee shop, you'd have to, you can't just say anything you want to say <laughs> like not that we exactly. say anything crazy but like if we're talking about boys or I don't know girl stuff you can't just like be screaming <laughs> just yelling about dumb stuff in public 100% and it's like you're getting to see them in their own element so I feel like you like get to know someone better it's like oh this is like what you eat this is how your place looks yeah I just feel like since it's a more vulnerable environment you can have more vulnerable conversations and then you like get closer yeah 
Okay, well, great. Love Amber. I hope she's doing well. My peak of the week is obviously setting a wedding date and deciding to do Charleston as a destination. I literally, my entire life, I had never wanted anything wedding specifically, but I just knew I wanted a destination wedding. So I'm very happy that we're doing that route. I'm pumped. Yay. Okay, yay. Wait, I have one thing to say about the Amber episode that I loved. She (laughs) owns a video production company. And in that episode, she talked about how her and her sister never wanted rocket ship growth for their business. Mm -hmm. They always wanted slow, sustainable growth. And they're almost to their five-year mark. And now they're like, at a very good yearly revenue. And that conversation inspired me so much with both the podcast New Wave and now 1404, where I'm like, I don't want the rocket ship growth. Like, it's, I'm not trying to be the next like Bill Gates out here. Like, I mm-hmm. want to build a strong foundation and move at a pace that I'm comfortable and happy with. So, that was like a really good shout because I feel like so often online, it's always like, okay, more, more money, higher, higher. Like, how can we sell more? How can we grow? And there's definitely something to be said about just working at your own pace and building something for the long term and not just racing through the whole thing. Absolutely. So, definitely check that out. You'll just scroll a little bit, but we're or you can just search Amber already friends and I'll show up. Okay, but let's read your guys's peaks. I have to read this one from Liv because it's literally my exact same experience almost going on a mom and daughter trip to Charleston for my 24th birthday. That's so cute. Like I mentioned, me, my mom and sister also went on a trip to Charleston. So I hope you guys had the best time and happy birthday. Aw. Okay. This one from, it's a, a business username. So I won't maybe say it in case, in case they don't want this <laughs> out there, but it says blocking him. And I love that. You know, sometimes you do just need to like put a little boundary up with someone. It doesn't have to be a block forever, but to give you some space to heal. So good job. <laughs> Glad that's working for you. Big sly. Katie said, went on a walk outside. Love welcoming the warmer weather to the Midwest. Absolutely. We are here for the spring energy. I'm very much into it. Same, same. Everyone's getting their personalities back. And similar thing, Max said, some much needed sunshine after the Canadian winter. We're all just slowly crawling out of hibernation. But this is why, you know, they say like, you don't need to be starting your goals January 1st. So like you're supposed to be hibernating then, like rest rejuvenate. And now spring's coming. And so, you know, we we had this whole eight dimensions of wellness series. I feel like I'm just now starting to really get, you know, get some progress on my goals. I needed January off. Mm -hmm. So if you've been feeling discouraged about your goals, you still have nine months left. There you go. As always, send in your peaks for Instagram at Already Friends Podcast. And two quick announcements. If you want more Already Friends podcasts in your life, we do have our Patreon page. There's a whole library for $5. You can make an account with us and get access to all of those episodes. They're really value-packed, everything from entrepreneurship to thrifting tips to content creator tips. And if you want to show us a little love, stay tuned for the end of the episode. We're doing a giveaway of two $50 gift cards to wherever you want. So stay for the end and we'll tell you the details on that giveaway. Today, we're having on Erin Confortini. She's a 23-year-old from Pittsburgh sharing about her finances on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. She just announced she's officially diving into YouTube. She has over 200,000 followers across all these platforms and just really is relatable and vulnerable about what she spends every month, how much she makes every month, how much she's progressing in her goals toward personal wealth and building her net worth. Both Allison and I have been following her for a long time and we've been really inspired by her videos. And yeah, it's so cool to see someone in their 20s really prioritizing their finances and trying to get ahead in life. We're very excited to have her on today and share a little bit of her knowledge. And without Without further ado, here's Aaron Confortini. 
Hello, Erin. Thanks for being with us today. Hi, thanks for having me. We are so excited to have you. We would love to just have you give a quick background, introduce yourself, and what first got you started in financial wellness to begin with. Um, So my name is Erin. I am 23 years old. I'm from like a super, super small town about an hour south of Pittsburgh. I moved to Pittsburgh um, to go to college uh, around the city, and I'm still living here to this day. I work as an auditor for my nine-to-five job, and then I create content in the personal finance space as well, mainly on TikTok, a little bit on Instagram as well. What initially got me into personal finance. This is always a funny story I like to tell, but actually an ex-boyfriend. I was dating this guy in college. I was like 19 or 20 years old and I was dating this guy that was a financial advisor. He like managed people's assets um, and help them invest their money. So I remember super early on in our relationship, he started talking about his job to me and started talking about how interested he was in the personal finance space. And I remember he told me that he had a goal to be able to retire by 40. Um, And I was 20 years old at the time. I was like, you're insane. Like who retires by 40? I have 65 year old parents that still aren't retired. So I thought that that was insane, but he really got me interested in the personal finance space. He had me read a book and start listening to some of the podcasts that he was interested in. And I really like learned about the topic of financial independence and got so hooked. I really spent the last couple years of college doing like a deep dive into a ton of personal finance books, a ton of podcasts, listening to people's stories about how they have been able to retire early, travel the world, quit their nine to five jobs. Um, It got me really hooked. So that is how I got interested in it. And it's been a couple of years and it's still a big passion of mine. Wow. They say every relationship teaches you something. So (laughs) there is just that. Yes, that is what that one taught me. (laughs) Oh, that's a great lesson. Honestly, there's some (laughs) way rougher lessons, but I love that. Before we even hop into all your financial knowledge, we always like to talk to the content creators that have these big platforms, just a little bit about their content creation journey. So how do you balance posting all this content and being a thought leader in the finance topic on TikTok and on Instagram while doing your nine to five? Definitely. So I started creating content on TikTok in I believe January of 2022. So I've been doing this for a little over a year now. I had the idea originally, I thought I wanted to start like a blog or something, but that I didn't know how to build a website or do any of that. And I was following so many personal finance creators on TikTok, but I realized that everyone that I was following was significantly older than me. It was like, I'm 30 years old and I'm a millionaire and here's a little bit of how I got here. Um, But there weren't a ton of people. I was only 22 at the time. There weren't a ton of young people talking about really the nitty gritty of like how they got started. So I like recognized that gap and that's like the gap that I wanted to fill. And I get a lot of comments, especially like early on, I got a ton of comments saying like, no one should be talking about money while they're still like middle income before they've really built anything. But like I'm helping so many people that are really just like scared to take the first couple of steps that they need to in order to build their financial foundation. So that's really like the premise of my account, balancing it with my nine to five job. At first it was really intimidating. Like I am pretty busy at my job and then content creation, as you both know, is a very big time commitment as well, but it gets significantly easier as you do it for a while. Like right now filming TikToks, I film a couple a day and it just like feels like second nature to me. I never really have trouble like coming up with video ideas. Like I pretty much know it's, it's just a part of my routine at this point. I do also work from home, which helps me a lot. So like I spend my mornings kind of prioritizing the couple things that I need to do for social media throughout the day. I can film one or two videos on my lunch break. um, And then I have like my night times as well. And on the weekends, I try to batch content too. So um, it was hard at first, but now I think I'm getting the hang of it. 
Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, By Burke Small Business Insurance. Whether you're a contractor, a consultant, photographer, podcaster, life coach, boutique owner, whatever you do with your small business, there's a good chance insurance can protect you and your company from the potential risks of owning a business. By Burke makes it quick and easy for small businesses to buy business insurance online. No middleman fees or hassle. You can get a quote in minutes and be covered the next day. By Burke is who we use for our own business insurance of the Artie Friends brand, as well as my two other businesses, New Wave and 1404 Collective. I've been a customer of theirs for years and clearly I'm a big fan as I keep choosing them again and again. They have a lot of specialty coverage areas that cater to small businesses and entrepreneurs that I couldn't find at other companies. Byberg is part of Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway company, so you can trust they will be there financially if something happens. They have a 4.9 star average customer review rating and it is truly a one-stop shop for your business insurance needs. Yeah, like Allison said, they specialize in micro businesses and small businesses. So as a company of two, it made so much sense to work with them. They customized our policy for a podcast and it was so great to work with one of their licensed agents. So you can save up to 20% and get a policy as low as $35 a month when you go online to buyberk.com. Or you can call 1-866-757-4487 to talk to an insurance expert. As always, we'll have the link in our show notes as well as on our website. Thank you to Buyberk Business Insurance for being a sponsor of the Artie Friends podcast. As a retail shop owner, I know how important it is to have a good, reliable POS system. That's why I'm so excited about our sponsor today, Shopify. Shopify has already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source. Track everything across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers both inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash already friends. That is all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash already friends to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash already friends. Thank you again to Shopify for sponsoring the already friends podcast. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in store and on Menards.com. Save big money at I want to loop back to the podcast and the book recommendations when you first got into financial wellness, especially for our listeners that are in that space where they're still overwhelmed. 
Did any podcasts or books really stand out to you that you would like to share? Books are an amazing way to learn about money. I'm not going to like say that they're not. They have helped me so much. And if anyone is ambitious enough to go pick up a personal finance book, that's amazing. But realistically, I know that a lot of people won't do it. If you are wanting to pick up a book, a couple that are really good for beginners are um, I Will Teach You to Be Rich, The Simple Path to Wealth, Rich Dad Poor Dad is really great. And another one is called Set for Life. Those are four like really good beginner books to really just teach you the basics of like, what do you need for your financial foundation? Why should you be investing and how to get started investing? Um, so those would be really great book recommendations on the podcast side. Um, Bigger Pockets Money was the one that I like first got into. They have probably four or 500 episodes. And I think that I've listened to like 80% of them. I've probably listened to a collective like 1000 plus podcast episodes on the topic of money, which I know sounds insane, but Bigger Pockets Money is a really great one. Um, Choose FI is really great as well. All of these podcasts kind of like interview people who are in the financial independence community who have either retired early or they're on path to retire early or they're just living these like untraditional lifestyles because they've set themselves up to like use money as a tool to live the life that they want to live. Um, So those are two really great podcasts as well. Yeah, thanks for sharing those. I think I'm sure some people can relate to this, but for me as someone who didn't have the money background, like didn't major in a money subject in college or didn't really thrive in math or those money subjects in high school either, the thought of reading those finance books gave me anxiety because I knew how little I knew about the subject and it would just make me so anxious and flustered. Like I know nothing. I don't even want to touch those, but I finally have tackled rich dad, poor dad. And the example he gives in the book, he says, learning money and learning financial literacy is like going to the gym. You don't want to go and you hate the thought of going, but once you're there and once you're on the treadmill, it feels so good and it feels amazing. And you're so happy that you went. And I'm like, damn it. He's so right. Like, I'm so (laughs) glad that I I listened to an audible. I'm so glad I listened to this because it is, it's just so eye-opening, but getting there can be so hard. Yes. It's really intimidating and it's intimidating to like, I mean, it is, it's a complex topic and a simple topic at the same time. Like you just said, like once you get the ball rolling, you realize how simple the concepts actually are. But for someone who like has never, has never learned about personal finance before, it's really intimidating. Um, You feel like you shouldn't know all of it. So you feel like it's kind of like hard to get started, but yeah, books are a really great resource. Uh, And the whole like not studying it in college, I did. I studied finance and economics. Like if anyone should have been learning about personal finance in school, it should have been me. And I did not learn anything about personal finance in college, which is absolutely insane to me. Like as I was going through my university, I was like, I'm paying so much money to be here. And if I'm not learning about it, who is? Um, The fact that I had to like seek out that education on my own is crazy. I know some universities teach like a what, like one singular personal finance class, but for the vast majority of people, we're not learning this uh, Mm -hmm. stuff in school. One thing I do love about Bigger Pockets is how you said they interview different people. I think it's so interesting the like million ways that people can make money this day and age. I think that that's what that podcast does a really great job of is opening your mind to like, okay, I can find a way to be rich in the things that I like to do. There's not just like one way to seeking financial freedom. 100%. I posted a TikTok a while back that was like, it was a video response to someone saying something along the lines of like, okay, that wouldn't work for me because of X, Y, and Z. And I highlighted like 10 different Bigger Pockets Money podcast episodes of people that like just came from like the most, like whether you were a single mom or you filed for bankruptcy in your forties and turned your life around, like those like crazy stories that are just meant to like inspire you and teach you that like, no matter what your starting point is, like we can, we can work past it. So I think that's really inspiring. Amazing. Okay. Let's take it back to step one. So maybe just, do you want to explain to us what you think financial wellness is and what financial literacy means to you? So for me, financial wellness means to set myself up 
to be in a situation where money is no longer a stressor in my life and it's no longer being like the main driver in the decisions that I'm making in my life. So money is like such a point of stress for so many people. You hear about the statistics all the time that are like 60% or whatever percent of Americans can't cover a $1,000 unexpected expense. Getting to a point where like your financial foundation is so strong that you've accounted for these types of things um, and you're setting yourself up to actually like get ahead with your money. That's what I consider to be financial wellness. And then for you, what kind of financial goals do you have? And kind of even bringing back to what you're saying as a content creator and people saying, well, you shouldn't share what you're doing because you're not a millionaire. You're at that point in your life. But I personally think it's so inspiring and relatable to see someone like you taking your paycheck and what you earn and seeing how you kind of put it into savings and different investments and stuff. So can you share some of your goals that you have for your savings and investments and everything? So I'll first start by saying like, so I have very definitive, like numeric financial goals for myself. Like I want to have X amount by X year, but that's not the goal. The goal is like a life goal that I've like backed into the numbers for money is just a tool to allow you to again, live the life that you want to live. So you need to come up with your life goals in order to like back into the numbers that you need in order to reach those goals. So for me, like a a medium to long-term goal for me is I don't want to work a nine to five for a significant amount of time. By the age of 30, I want to be in a place where I have contributed so much to my retirement accounts that I no longer need to continue to invest in my retirement accounts for the rest of my working years. And that money will be able to sustain me in traditional retirement age. So in the financial independence community, they call that Coast Fi because you front loaded a lot of your retirement contributions to the point where at this point, you're just coasting into retirement. You make enough to cover your day-to-day expenses, but you no longer need to save and invest any money on top of your day-to-day expenses. So that's a big goal for myself. To get there, there's a certain amount of money that I think that I need to have in those retirement accounts by the time I hit 30. So that's what I'm working towards. I also share on TikTok right now for 2023, I'm working on a 100K net worth journey. I share that like every month I post an update. So for me, by the end of 2023, my assets minus my liabilities, I want that to equal 100,000. A lot of my assets are in my investment accounts. So my 401k, my IRA, um, and then I have some investments outside of my retirement accounts as well. So just in like a traditional brokerage account and um, a little bit in a fundraise account. So those are like the goals that I would say I'm working towards in the short term. Okay. I love that you are young and like on your TikTok, you'll post about getting some hauls from stores or shopping or decorating your apartment or whatever. Not like to play devil's advocate, but if someone's like, okay, but in my 20s, like I want to live and I want to travel more. How do you recommend to them that they're balancing short-term goals versus long-term money goals? 100%. There absolutely has to be a balance. Um, And it has to go back to like, remember what you're saving and you're investing for. If you love your job and you can't see yourself doing some type of like untraditional work, like for example, you, you just see yourself working a nine to five job for the rest of your life, because there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. That's a perfect lifestyle to live for a lot of people. There's no, I don't want to say there's no need to take these like extreme investing measures, but for those types of people, their long-term goals are so far away. Retirement is literally decades away that they can just prioritize like, okay, every month I'm going to save 
like maybe 5, 10, 15% of my paycheck into those retirement accounts and the rest of the money, I can allocate that towards living my life today. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. For me, I know that like I want something more. I want to be able to quit my job significantly earlier than a lot of people. I want to be able to maybe have enough money to start a business knowing that it won't be profitable for a couple of years or I want to be able to take a couple years off of work to travel the world, something like that. I know that I'll need money to do that and that's why I'm investing so heavily. But for a lot of people, it's okay to just I don't want to I don't want to use the term do the bare minimum, but invest for retirement in a small percentage of your paycheck and spend the rest living your life today. Yeah, it's kind of like any goal. You want to see what the end is and then you kind of work backwards. I think that's a great strategy. And yeah, it, it's totally customizable to whatever your goals are. And that was a great question, Allison, because I feel like it is whenever people see financial content or articles or podcasts, it's like, well, I don't care. I just want to live my life. I want to spend the money to go to Greece for three weeks or whatever. But it's like, okay, yeah, why can't you do both? What? Why can't we just figure out what your goals are and then, yeah, work backwards from there? And I think that comes like with creating a budget as well. And I know like here, create your budget. No one wants to do it, but like it is so necessary. Create your budget, figure out like how to put the things that you value inside of your means and inside of your budget and like do it accordingly because you can do both. Realistically, you can. It's just like you can't have everything in life. You can have the things that you really value and that you're actually working towards, but you can't have everything in life. So it's just figuring out like what your means are um, and how to save for them accordingly. What was your process like? Did you one day you're like, all right, I'm going to get out my journal. I'm going to spend this Sunday and go a deep dive and figure out what I want. And then what were the next steps? How did you even reel it all the way back to that beginning of figuring out your goal? It's a long, (laughs) it's a long time coming. Like I said, like I'm almost 24 now. um, Since the age of like 20 I've been listening to like a million podcast episodes of people who were like doing all of these crazy things living these untraditional lives and like I just kind of like came to the realization once I started working a full-time job that this isn't what I want for the rest of my life um so it's just kind of like coming to that realization of like things that you're working towards and and what you can see your life ending up to be like um another thing that I get a lot is like okay well I'm so young and I don't really like know what I want out of my life right now so like why am I like saving or investing because I don't know necessarily like what my definitive goals are I don't either. Like, I don't know. I don't know that at the age of 30, I'm going to want to quit my nine to five job, start a business doing whatever. Um, or, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know that, but I know that I'm going to want to make some type of pivot, do something bolder with my life. And I know that money is going to like play a factor into that. And I'm going to need the funds to be able to do that type of thing. Yeah. So with your budget, what did you kind of look at? Of course, you looked at what your costs are, how much you're making monthly, but could you kind of help? our listeners break that down and maybe how they should build their own budget or what tools they should use? So budgeting is, there's three parts to it. And I think people focus too much on the first part and not about the, not enough about the second and the third. So when you're creating your budget, you need to one, create your budget. So estimate your expenses. Your budget is your estimate. Then you need to track your spending. So you need to compare that estimate to what you're actually spending every single month. And then the third piece is to reflect. So you need to do the, that comparison. Compare, okay, I wanted to spend 
X amount. I actually spent this amount. Why was there a difference there? Did I create my budget not according to my lifestyle? Did I overspend? Did I spend outside of my means? Or do I need to adjust my budget for the next month? Um, So when I'm creating my budget, I like to do it like at the beginning of the year and then I adjust throughout the year as necessary. Like I just moved, so my rent went up, those types of things. But I really don't do it like, oh, it's a new month, so I need to go back in and create a whole new budget. I really don't do it that way. So what I do is I look at my income, what I expect to make. A question that I get all of the time is, okay, what happens if my income is variable? Um, This is the case with me because I have some side hustle income from social media as well. I like to say, like, use a a very conservative estimate. And when you're going in and you're putting your actual numbers in, you can always, like, say that you made more money. That's totally fine. That's a good problem to have. Um, But budgeting for a very conservative conservative amount um, will allow you to, like, live within your means almost. So you're putting in your income. Then you're estimating all of your expenses in, like, all of your different categories. So think, like, all of your fixed expenses, like, your rent, your car payments, your car insurance, everything you spend your money on. And then also your discretionary spending as well, because your discretionary spending is um, really the the part that can make you spend over your budget between like shopping, going out to eat, all of those things. That gives you your amount left to save and invest. And from there, you can create your saving and your investing goals. So that'll allow you to say, I should have $600 left over at the end of the month. I want to allocate that to my emergency fund or paying off extra credit card debt or um, investing. So that's really how I like to think about it. And then just the really big piece is tracking your spending to make sure that you're actually sticking to that budget. Yeah. And best tip for tracking your spending, do you think? Yes. Um, <laughs> I talk about this all the time on social media. Um, I do weekly, like what I spend in a week videos mm-hmm. um, where I just break down like, okay, it's Monday morning. I'm going to sit down for 10 minutes and I'm going to look at all of my credit card statements, my bank accounts, my Venmo transactions, and I'm going to log that and see what I spent last week. I think that this is like such a good money habit for really anyone, like no matter like what stage of your financial journey you're on, I think it's a good practice because you really do need to understand where your money is going every single month and seeing if you're actually sticking to your budget, but especially if you're just starting out and you're feeling super overwhelmed with your finances, like coming to terms with how much money you're spending and actually holding yourself accountable for the purchases that you're making is such a big point of contention for a lot of people. So that's probably the best place to start if you're looking to like make any significant difference in your finances. So you just truly go into your app and just take a look at everything and write it down or just kind of put it in a spreadsheet? Yeah. So I have a budget template, like not to like plug myself, definitely use an app if like that's what works for you. But I'm not like a budgeting app person because I think a lot of them are actually too automated. Mm -hmm. So it's like, like for me, I need to be the one physically writing down my transactions because that holds me accountable for making. So for example, if I spent $200 shopping at the mall, I know that I need to go into my spreadsheet and physically write down $200. That really holds me accountable for that purchase. So I have a template that I like sell on my stand store. I've gotten really good feedback on it. So that makes me really happy. But yeah, that's what I do every Monday morning. I spend about 10 minutes with it. It's so true. My friend was a financial advisor and whenever he had new clients that were trying to save money, he was like, you're going to carry around a piece of pen and paper and write down every single thing you buy. And then he would get feedback. Oh, I didn't buy 
the jeans or I didn't buy that stuff because I didn't want to write it down. It's so it's the same thing. So I really like that tip. I kind of had a realization while you were talking about the importance of building a budget. I don't feel like until I became a business owner that I really tracked my stuff that much. Like I did, I was fortunate enough to have a salary job in college. So that helped me get out of the gate a little faster maybe than some. And so I did kind of track things, but not to the extent that I do now as a business owner and how you're saying, you know, maybe once you're 30, maybe you want to open a business. I think it's really important that people realize like if you don't know how to figure out how much you're spending in your own life you will not run a successful business that is just like a harsh truth yeah managing those expenses I mean over the past year doing social media the whole like business expenses thing it's like a whole other ball game even for someone who like considers themselves very financially literate it's tough (laughs) to drag all of that yeah because if you don't it's not just you yourself failing it's like oh now my business failed and I have to close or seek other ways to keep this going. So then other people find out. It's not just, ooh, I overspent on my credit card this month. Yeah, and I I think like, even with the whole, I overspent on my credit card this month, like, I don't think people realize how easy it is to spend money if you're not tracking your expenses. Like, even me who like, I do track my expenses every single week, regardless of if I'm so far over my budget, I'm still writing it down. I'm still holding myself accountable for that. Like, it's easy to spend a thousand dollars a month shopping. That's like the harsh reality. And I feel like if you've never tracked your spending before, you've never kept a budget. I don't think that like that's super intuitive, like how easy it actually is to spend a stupid amount of money. Maybe this would be a good time to go into how to be resourceful. Cause I feel like from a basic level, people are like, okay, I get it. I need to spend less money, but it's like without offering them the solution of like, okay, well, how am I going to live the life I want to live while spending less money? I think that that's kind of like the trick of the trade is how do you get to shop and get to eat out and travel within your means? Do you have any hot tips for being really resourceful? So I'll use like travel as a really good example because this is something that like a lot of people want to implement. They want to make it a priority. They can't figure out how to do it within their means. So anything like that, that you know you want to be spending your money on, but you either spend too much money in that category or you don't book the trip because you feel like it's not within your budget. Here's what I do. So every month I contribute a certain amount of money to a separate high yield savings account as like a sinking fund for travel. And I have it as like an automatic transfer. So it comes from my checking account to my savings account and I don't even have to think about it. So $300 a month, every single month I know is going into that. So I have a vacation sinking fund, a separate high yield savings account. So when it comes time to book a trip, I look at my sinking fund. If the money's in there, I book the trip. If the money's not in there, I don't have the money. I don't book the trip. That trip is not within my means. Obviously, you need to like come up with what number works for you. But I just think that that's a really good way to like set those guidelines for yourself, knowing that I budgeted for this. I'm saving for it automatically every single month. So I deserve to spend that money on myself. Yeah, it's kind of like knowing with the budget, knowing what you're having come in and automating these processes that it's not when you get to that point of like, hey, do you want to go to Florida for the weekend? That's like, you're not scrambling and like getting stressed and trying to figure it out. It's like, okay, no, I automated this process way back six months ago. Okay, yeah, the money's there. Let's do it. And I I use that for like, not just fun things as well, but for some things that come up randomly throughout the year that like could really wreck my budget. So 
holidays are a big one. Like Mm -hmm. I posted a video about this back in the fall, but like, I really like to spend money around the holidays, whether that's shopping for myself because a bunch of sales are going on, whether that's buying Christmas presents for my friends and my family or, um, like buying food to like host a party, something like that. Like there's a lot of expenses that come with the holidays. So every month, same thing, $200 goes from my checking account to a separate high yield savings account to save for the holidays. So that when those come around, I have $2,000 that I know that I can spend for Really, because I've accounted for it all year. And really quick, if someone doesn't know what a high yield savings account is, could you go into those and even share maybe a recommendation for who someone could use for that? Yeah. So a high yield savings account is, I feel like people make this really complicated because like there's so many, there's so much jargon mm-hmm. in the personal finance space, like yield. What does that even mean? Um, a high yield savings account is the exact same thing as a savings account. It just pays you more money on your money. Um, so these are typically found at like online banks. They wouldn't really be found at like your local bank that has like a brick and mortar location um, because their operating expenses are too high. They can't afford to pay you that much money on your money. So just making that like simple switch between like saving your money at your local bank versus I use Capital One. Um, There's a ton of really great options like Ally is a good one. Marcus is a good one. But I use Capital One. Just making that simple switch. I went from earning like 0.02% on my money to like 3.5 or so percent on my money. So it is a very simple switch, but like you earn a lot of money on your money sitting in your savings, which is really great because you need to have like an emergency fund and all of that. Yeah. Do you mind sharing really quick what you have in your high yield savings? You have your travel pocket folder. What do you call it? Travel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So with Capital One, like I just made completely separate savings accounts. So like when I go into my dashboard, I can see like I use my credit cards with them as well. So I can see like my credit card, I can see my checking account, and then I can see like all my different high yield savings accounts. Mm -hmm. So I have one um, for my emergency fund. So that's for me, that's three to four months worth of expenses. And we can talk about like how to figure that out. But three to four months worth of expenses sitting in a savings account called emergency fund. I have one for my student loans actually, because all of my student loans are federal loans. So they're not accruing interest until August. So instead of like paying on those loans, I'm saving for them in a high yield savings account because all of that money is earning money until August. So when August comes, I have a lot of money sitting in there to make like a big lump sum payment onto my student loans. So that's a fund. I have one for like car insurance and maintenance because I pay my car insurance every six months. And then like, there's a little bit extra in there in case like, I don't know, my car, something happens to it. I don't know. (laughs) Um, Travel is one, holidays are one. And I think that's it. Yeah. Okay. Love that. I think it's a great tip. And I don't know why I don't do this for myself because for one of my businesses, like I have five checking accounts and correct me if I'm wrong, but you can get, there's some checking accounts that have a monthly fee and some that don't. The bank I use, there's no monthly fee. So I could open as many checking accounts as I wanted. So I have the revenue account that all money comes into that revenue account. Absolutely nothing ever gets spent from that account. And then I take the money that goes into that revenue account and then distribute it into the other four. So one's taxes, one's profit, one's operations and then one's to pay out the vendors. And it helps so much just to like take it all and then move it into other blocks. So in the personal world, you're recommending Capital One. And then, so how did you set that up? Did you do it online? Did you call someone? How did you figure out how many checking accounts you wanted? And then do you kind of do it the same way where everything goes into one and then you distrib- you just transfer it to the others? Yeah, so like you definitely don't have to use Capital One. Like Ally is really great because I... Don't, I've never used Ally, but 
you don't have to set up like completely separate savings accounts. You can just do like buckets within one high yield savings account. So like that's a really great option that people recommend. The only reason why I use Capital One is because my credit cards are with them. So I like being able to go on and in one dashboard, see everything. So I like didn't always do this. I used to just have like my credit card, my checking account, which like your checking has your debit card or your debit card link to it. And then one high yield savings account. And then once you have one, like product with them it literally takes two seconds to like go into their website and open a second and Mm -hmm. a third and a fourth savings account like all of your information is pre-populated so you really just like click it and rename it and go about your day so that's what I did it didn't take very long at all and you can rename them reorder them all of that good stuff I have a video on my TikTok that performed really well where I like break down that process and like walk through it step by step I think it would be good in case someone's like confused at the difference probably not but between opening more checking accounts and opening more lines of credit would you clarify that difference just so someone doesn't take this in, in the wrong direction so like my credit card is a line of credit that is tied to like my credit score and it will affect my credit score if I continue opening lines of credit not just with capital one I have credit cards like across different banks and stuff but like your checking account is what your debit card is linked to so for me that's what all of my direct deposit comes into and then from there I like pay off my credit cards statements every month and I transfer money into my savings accounts. Um, Your savings accounts are not a line of credit either. It's just a tool to be able to save your money. Yeah. So people can open as many checking and savings account without hindering their credit score. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. It's just choosing where you store your money, which Mm -hmm. yeah, I've heard Ally is great too. And I use Discover. I don't know why I picked Discover. It was like the same as Ally. And I'm like, okay, Discover sounds like a little more reliable, but (laughs) I've heard great things for all of them or for both and stuff. So looping it back to your emergency emergency savings and you kind of mentioned you could explain how someone would determine how much to put in there. Do you mind just walking us through that? Um, So like I said, I keep three to four months worth of expenses in my emergency fund. And when I say expenses, these are the things that are like relatively necessary. So like my budget as a whole is comprised of like some of my savings goals, um, a lot of discretionary spend, that kind of thing. When I'm thinking about like how many months worth of expenses I need in my emergency fund, I'm really thinking about like the things that I still absolutely need to pay on. And then a little wiggle room for like, I'm going to keep getting groceries. I'm going to keep buying gas in my car if I get laid off, those types of things. So the general advice is three to six months worth of expenses, but it could be six months to a year. Like there's a lot of variables that go into deciding how much money you should actually keep in your emergency fund. A lot of those factors include things like, do you rent or do you own a home? If you own a home, you could have unexpected maintenance costs. Do you have any dependents? If you have dependents, obviously like your risk tolerance is probably a lot lower. Um, You're probably going to want to keep a little bit of an extra cushion in your emergency fund. Let's see things like I have it multiple revenue streams. So I have multiple streams of income. If I get laid off from my nine to five job, I have side hustles and things like that, that can like supplement my income alongside of my emergency fund, separate savings and investing accounts. So not all of my investment accounts are locked up in illiquid accounts. So like I consider my 401k and my IRA to be like relatively illiquid because those are retirement accounts. But I do have some money sitting in like a taxable brokerage. 
that I could pull from if I needed to. So all of those things contribute to me having an emergency fund that's on the lower end of that three to six month range. But you really just need to take into consideration, like, what are your, what would you be needing that money for in an emergency? And like, what's the likelihood of that occurring? There's a lot of good calculators on the internet to kind of like help you figure out how much you should have in your emergency fund. Um, I believe Nerd Wallet has a good one, but don't quote me on that. Should we switch over to debt? I know this is a really scary topic too. What is your advice for someone who is managing their debt? Just what are your thoughts? Um, This is a very frequently asked question as well. So there's an opportunity cost with everything that you do in life, but especially when you're trying to figure out how to allocate your money because you have limited resources and you need to figure out what you're going to do with it. So there's three things that you can do with your money outside of spend it. That's pay down debt, that's saving it and investing it. So what do you do when you're trying to figure out whether to pay down debt, save or invest? So obviously it depends how much debt you're in and like what your risk tolerance is with your, or not your risk tolerance, but just like your comfortability with your debt as well. Um, But this is the way that I like to think of it. So for example, my car loan has around a 2% interest rate. My high yield savings account is paying around a 3.5% APY, which is essentially your annualized interest rate. The opportunity cost of me aggressively paying down my car loan outside of the monthly payment is that difference, so that 1.5%. So in that case, I feel a lot more comfortable saving money or investing money because my interest rate is so low. I like to consider like, and everyone's different with this number, I like to consider every anything above like a 5 or a 6% interest rate, the point where it's like, okay, maybe I will consider like paying more than the monthly payment to get this debt paid off faster. But anything below that, which like we've been in a super low interest rate environment before like 2022. So a lot of people do have a lot of loans that are super low interest rates. That's the point where it's like, okay, I'll pay the monthly payment. But alongside of that, I'm going to save for my savings goals. I'm going to invest my money. You can do those things simultaneously. It's just about figuring out like what makes the most sense for your financial situation. Yeah, I think that's a common misconception with really wealthy people is that, oh, they're buying a $20 million house in cash. It's like, no. No, rich people have mortgages. They're not going to spend $20 million in a house when they can go put, what, a million down? I don't know what that would be. Math is $4 million down. And then they can use the other $15 million to go invest in a startup that's going to make them $60 million. Like, yeah. I think that was the biggest mind-blowing moment I had, I guess, when I first learned about finance. Is like, oh, rich people have mortgages. They have, quote-unquote, debt. But it's because they're using that money in more strategic and smart places. Yes. Yeah, and obviously, like, understanding the difference. Like, when you're thinking about, like, financial literacy around debt, like, the first, like, the biggest piece of that is understanding the difference between good debt and bad debt. Mm-hmm. Um, Um, Credit card debt and other like high interest consumer debt, that's bad debt in almost every single situation. You're never going to out earn the money that you're spending on the interest on that debt. So if you are in that situation, unfortunately, like outside of setting up an emergency fund, like that should be your first priority is paying off that debt. But once you get to a point where you're debt free of high interest consumer debt, like you can really like think strategically and think of like what your next move is going to be, whether that's saving, whether that's investing. I think we should go into that Mm -hmm. a little further because I feel like that's a pretty relatable thing is consumer debt, especially with the culture we live in where it's like, buy this, buy that. Would you go a little further into what that bad debt is and why you recommend not go, not accumulating more bad debt versus why it's okay to accumulate 
good debt. So it goes back to that like interest rate opportunity cost scenario that I was talking about. So if you look at the interest rate on almost all of your credit cards, it's going to be well above 10%. Some mm. people's are literally like 29%. Mm. Um, it could be anywhere from on my Amex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 10 to 30% realistically. So if you're carrying a balance on your credit card, you're paying 26% interest for a purchase that you made. That you're never going to get ahead paying 20%, 20 some percent interest on any purchase that you're making. And it's it's sad because I feel like a lot of people don't really like understand that concept. And like credit card debt is just such a snowball that once you get into it, it's really hard to get out of it because you can't keep up with the interest physically. So again, like if you are in that situation, really anything above, again, I use 5%, but we're in a situation where even like mortgages have a 6% interest rate right now. Like I get that anything over a 10% interest rate, like focus on paying down your debt. Yeah. Yeah. And you can work with the other ones like a car payment. You can pay that over two, three years. Mm -hmm. You can pay your mortgage if it's a lower interest rate or yeah, if it's, I mean, you kind of just have to do whatever interest rate it is at the time, unfortunately for houses, but those are okay to carry because like you're saying, there is more advantageous opportunities for you and your money than paying those off right away. I guess I'm also kind of thinking about some things just being an asset. Like I feel like it's different if you open a business and you're taking on some debt with a business that's going to be making money versus like the things that you spent on your credit card that are like getting your nails done, a princess poly and whatever, like that's not going to ever make you back that money. Like you're you're just going to have to pay that down. It's not an investment. That's a really good point, especially in like the 0% interest credit card space. So a lot of credit cards will be like, oh, 0% interest for your first 12 months, which can be great if like you said, you are starting a business and you are trying to get like the, the cash that you need in order to like fund your business. And you're thinking 12 months from now, like you're taking a chance on yourself there's an opportunity for your business to be an asset 12 months from now and to be able to pay off that credit card. But if you're opening a 0% interest credit card and thinking that you can get your nails done and order clothes from Princess Polly for the next 12 months, like you're putting yourself in a very poor financial situation. So, I mean, credit card companies make a ton of money for a reason. They they Mm -hmm. make literally billions of dollars every single year and they do that for a reason. But just like knowing what to look out for and knowing like what not to do to put yourself in that situation is very important. Yeah, I mean, going off of that, are there any common mistakes or what are the biggest mistakes that you see people in their 20s make with money and what can we do to avoid those? So I think one is locking yourself into like big fixed expenses without really understanding what that's going to do to your budget. So a really good example of this is a car. So you just graduated from college, you're making what $60,000 a year. That's more money than you've ever made in your entire life because you've been a college student. Now all of a sudden you think that you can get a brand new car with a $600 car payment. Okay, well, that $600 car payment comes with the cost of gas, which your car is probably not good on gas if you're spending $600 a month on it. That comes with a higher cost of insurance. And even like the $600 car payment itself, did you take the time to understand what your budget looks like at your 60K salary and really understand if after all of 
of your fixed expenses are you going to be able to save and invest every month? So I would say that's a really big one, like just locking yourself into those big fixed expenses, because I mean, you can cut back in some of the smaller areas and that will make a dent, but like the big line items in your budget are going to make an even bigger dent. Oh my God. I feel like this is a perfect time to admit that two years ago, I bought a brand new car. Well, I guess the car wasn't brand new, but to me, it was only like two years old. It was very expensive. And then kind of taking this all the way back to the beginning, what you prioritize. And I was like, yeah, is a nice new car, like fun and cute and reliable. Yeah. But also how much in my day to day is that really like doing for me when my business is one of my priorities, traveling, setting myself up for the future. And like, like you said, you can't do everything. And so it's like, I could have had the car and had that huge fixed monthly expense or have all of these other things. And it just had to be like, okay, yeah, I I don't want that anymore. So I just sold my car and now I just Uber, I guess probably spend $50 a month on Uber. That's such a good point. Like I've been kind of battling that right now as well. Like I obviously just moved into a one bedroom apartment. My rent literally went from $650 a month because I lived with roommates to almost $1,500 a month. And that comes down to like what you value. Two years ago, I would have been like, Aaron, you're crazy. You're not spending $1,500 a month on rent. But right now in this point in my life, I'm a content creator. I'm focusing on my business. I'm doing all of these things for myself. And like, that's what I'm valuing right now. And like your space is so important in that. So like, I'm not saying that you can't like get an expensive apartment or decide not to live with roommates. Or even like if your car is literally like the most important thing in your life ever, if that truly is you like spend your money on it. But like, it comes down to what you prioritize and like, you can't have everything. Yeah. So then maybe you can't go to Mexico or do the travel things. or Maybe you can't have a more elaborate wedding because you chose to do the nice apartment, the nice car. So yeah, you're so right. It's just taking a look at yourself and being realistic with what you value and how you can afford that. And I do think social media plays a huge factor in this because of course, when you log on, people are showing you the things they have. So like we see someone's nice car or nice apartment or them traveling, but they're not like, by the way, I haven't paid down any of my student loans or like actually all of my clothes are thrifted. Like that's me. Literally all of my clothes are thrifted because I'm like, I am cool to spend a hundred dollars a month on shopping because I know I can do that and spend way more on travel because that's what's important to me. But usually you're not like, by the way, I bought this thing, which meant I didn't get to eat out this month at all or something. No one says that. So we think, oh my God, everyone has everything. I want to keep up. But that's not the reality for like literally anyone. I get so much feedback on it because I am so transparent about like what I spend. Um, I get so much feedback saying like how helpful it is and just how like realistic it is because even for someone that like is a creator in the personal finance space, I still spend my money on regular things. I still go shopping. I still go out to eat with my friends. I still order like $20 espresso martinis at the bar. Um, You just have to find that balance. And like, I think it is really helpful to like open the conversation um, and be like transparent about it. And for example, you had that uh, TikTok where you're like, I went to the Dollar Tree and I spent $45. (laughs) And if I would have gone to Target and got the cute brand, this could have cost me $250. So that was a choice that you made to be like, okay, I'm going to save $200 here so I can go out with my girlfriends this weekend or whatever it is. Well, I love that you shared all this book recommendations, just good elements of breaking down finances. Are there any pieces of advice with finances that stick out to you that maybe you've learned from any of these books, podcasts, or mentors that you, yeah, think are really important to your life and want to share with our listeners? Yeah, I think like the biggest thing is just kind of going, we were talking about this a little bit before, but just like really finding your why. If you don't have the motivation to do it, it's probably because you don't have a good motivator. 
And that's, I think, where a lot of people struggle in the personal finance space and really just understanding like, okay, what am I even saving for? So really just finding your why, like what are your life goals? If you like could picture your ideal life where money was not a factor at all, really spend the time to like get real with yourself and figure out how you can use money as a tool in order to get there. Because like, that's, that's the biggest thing that's driving me right now and why I'm so focused on my goals. And so like investing so heavily is because I've really narrowed down what my why is and what I want my life to look like. That's a great answer. Well, with that, I think we can go into our final question. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So as this is the Artie Friends podcast, we ask all of our guests to you, what makes a good friend? I feel like my definition of a good friend is like changing so much as I'm like shifting from being in college and like being in a sorority and just having like college friends to now like entering my adult life and really finding friends with like such deeper connections. I do have like my absolute best friends in the world where we're so close. They're so supportive. Um, They are there for me when I need them to be and vice versa. And like, those are very good qualities of being a good friend. But then I also think like the relationships that are important in your twenties as well are the friends that like share the same goals as you. Um, And you can really like encourage each other and inspire each other to like work harder and keep on track with your goals I think those are really good qualities of friends as well so like just realizing that every friend in your life doesn't need to have all of those qualities to be a good friend um you just kind of like need to find the right people to talk with the right things about and they're all good friends to me okay well please follow your socials where people can find you how we can support you also I like think I'm gonna go buy your template of this budget because I need to be more on top of my budget admittedly because you're so right I do use those apps and they're so automated that I honestly I need to be writing it down <laughs> I love that um well you can find me on TikTok Instagram and actually YouTube I'm starting my YouTube channel I've been posting like shorts from like my TikTok and Instagram but in the next couple of weeks I'm starting to post long form content on YouTube as well um and all of my handles are at it's Aaron Confortini okay amazing and if someone wants to buy that spreadsheet, how much is it and how can they get it? Yeah, so I sell it for $4.99. It's just in my like stand store, which is my like link tree in my um, bio of my social media channels. But That's a steal. Perfect. $4.99, <laughs> that's literally less than a Starbucks coffee. All right, I'm buying it right now. <laughs> okay, great. Well, thank you so much, Aaron, for coming on. This was so helpful and looking forward to seeing more of your content and seeing this YouTube channel thrive. Thanks for having me. Sweet. Well, thank you all for listening to another episode of Artie Friends. We'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of Already Friends. We want to tell you guys, what is our favorite thing in this world? Getting Apple and Spotify reviews. So to thank you guys, when we hit 500 reviews on Apple and Spotify, we're going to give you one of your favorite things. And we're going to tell you what it is. It's a $50 gift card to wherever you want. Please, come on. We're desperate. We're literally dreaming up these reviews in our sleep. Got to help us get there. We want to keep creating great Already Friends podcast shows for you guys. We need those reviews. So don't make us beg, all right? <laughs> So leave a rating, leave a review, screenshot it, send it to us. And yeah, when we hit 500, we'll pick two of you guys to get a $50 gift card to wherever you choose. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will catch you in the review section of our show. Love y'all. Love ya. Bye. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. 
ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.